from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. When we started, Bob, you said St. Louis has a lot of great music talent. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we always get pigeonholed as the opening act. And Bob's like, we need a club to recognize St. Louis talent. And where it's just about the St. Louis bands that are playing, that are playing around town, that all have talent, that need a showcase. We were liked so much, I, I, that's all I can say that they wanted to have their funeral in the club. <laughs> that is a tribute. It's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. We, we did that quite a few times. People got married there? <laughs> really? More people, than one? People, a couple of people. They're like, remember I got married by this pinball machine. Yeah. I met my wife yeah. there. There's one one person, it's like he's he's now old enough that his kid comes with him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what 27 years will do. It'll turn over a generation. I'm Sarah Fenske. For 27 years, the Way Out Club has been a bastion of the weird and the wonderful for St. Louis music lovers. The club started on Cherokee Street in 1994 and later moved to Gravois and Jefferson in the city's Fox Park neighborhood. There, it's welcomed some national acts and many, many rising star locals. Musician Ellen Hilton Cook performed at the Way Out Club two weeks ago, and before her set, she recalled just how the club and owners Sherry Lucas and Bob Putnam helped make her who she is as an artist. She noted that the Way Out Club was her very first gig. I was a waitress at Chevy's in Crestwood Plaza, and uh, I was scheduled to have my first show at the Way Out Club, and this weird couple walks in around two or three in the afternoon, and I... I know they're cool because like they're cooler than everybody in Crestwood already and uh, so I talked too much already I was like super young and I start talking about the show I have coming up and Sherry just starts laughing and looks at Bob and like she hands me her business card and it says that that her name's Sherry Danger and she is the DJ for Dangerous Curves and that she owns the Way Out Club. And I just had like a complete meltdown in the back room. Like I, I was like, hold on, I'll be right back with some more chips and salsa. And I went into the kitchen and just like screamed. And none of the cooks knew how big of a deal it was for me at all. But I was, I mean, just like starstruck over Sherry and Bob. And then like, yeah, I mean, they just gave me chances when nobody else would. I was still kind of figuring myself out as an artist and there weren't many like, I don't know, rock and roll piano player people. Like, I feel like everybody was on a guitar and doing Americana or something. No offense to Americana, I love Americana. But I just, you know, it really got me into being a more of like a cabaret piano player back in the day. And that is musician Ellen Hilton Cook. And joining us now are the two rock stars that she was talking about there. Sherry Lucas is the DJ who hosts Dangerous Curves on KDHX, and she's also the co-owner of the Way Out Club. Sherry, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. And Bob Putnam is married to Sherry, and he is her co-owner at the Way Out Club. Bob, welcome. Thank you. 
So, Sherry, you two opened the club in 1994. Take us back to that time. What made the two of you want to get into the live music business? Well, we um, first had the idea about having a club when a friend of ours came over and started talking, like, we should open a bar, we should open a bar. And we're like, I don't know. But we started looking into it, and we found a place. We got the licenses, and the next thing you know, we had a bar. So a lot of people say they want to open a bar. Not everybody takes this plunge. What were you two doing up till that point Mm -hmm. in your life? Bob, what was your occupation? Well, I worked at Chrysler for 30 years, and at 30 years, I could resign. Not resign, but... uh, Retire. Retire, yeah. And the funny part of it was there was... uh, something that Chrysler had made where uh, you could leave two years earlier and if you didn't like it, you could go back and pick up. And at the same time, they give me 85% of all the money that I would have made if I'd have stayed. <laughs> That's a nice deal. Uh, yeah, and I had no plans of going back. Well, it just so happens that the 30 years is the same date as when we opened the bar. Hmm. When we started working on it before that, uh, you know, to get the bar ready. And it just happened. I didn't realize it until later. That was when I was supposed to retire in the first place. Yeah, (laughs) but so that deal from Chrysler, that maybe gave you some opportunity to pursue your passion. Oh, yeah. Sherry, what about for you? What had you been doing up till that point? Well, let's see. I was, well, Bob and I have done a lot of things. At that point, we were working on an arts magazine. It was called 15 Minutes. And we were kind of doing that. I was between thinking what I was going to do. I came from Chrysler, my background's in engineering. And I was like, what am I going to do? And we talked, and we talked about finding something we could do together. Hmm. So really the main reason for opening the club was to create a life together, to to grow a career or business together, and to spend time together. Um, you guys were already married at that point. Yeah. And you wanted yeah. to spend more time together. Yeah, we were. But, you know, working at Chrysler, you spend a lot of time working. You really do. You spend a lot of time just working and sleeping, working and sleeping. And there was always the option of working opposite each other and not seeing each other. So the decision to do something that we both could do together, share together, and, and enjoy together just was, was firsthand. So one funny little anecdote here. I'm told that the Way Out Club was originally a partnership with your friend Jeff Parks. Yes. He's the one who came up with the name. The name's still there. Yes. But the partnership itself only <laughs> lasted through opening night. What, what happened on opening night where he ended up splitting? Well, well it happened that day. Uh, what happened was that uh, he had a little different ideas than we did. It, uh, the bar was in a neighborhood and he had the concept of calling in all these big bands around and we were going to make all this money and I said you can't do that it's not like other places you can't sit around where people are living mm-hmm. it's got to be a crowd that's inside yeah, we had we had this little difference. It yeah, was it was, it was interesting. Like the very first night, the opening night, it was just like, no, this is not going to work. And you know, th- it happened for good because we ended up with the Way Out Club. Jeff left and started the Creepy Crawl, and so it worked out great for both. Oh yeah, and we, so St. Louis got two music clubs out of the deal. Yeah, and we've been friends. Uh, we, I, well, see, I met him when I had a the bookstore, 
and he was going to college. And so you um, owned a bookstore at that point? Oh, yeah. Uh, and not then. It was uh, earlier. Okay. After, well, while I had uh, working at Chrysler, I also had a bookstore <laughs> over on Deadmore. You are De- a renaissance yeah, man yeah, here. Yeah. But, but take me back to this. So Cherokee, and you kind of had this dispute over the residential nature of that area. Cherokee Street was so different back in 1994 than what it is today. <laughs> what made you choose that as, as the location for this? Well, we looked at, um, this is ironic, we looked at where we are now first, and the building was for sale, and it wasn't the price that we could pay. So we found this other place on Cherokee, but our original place that we wanted to go into was a place on Jefferson, where we are. So we ended up on Cherokee, and it happened to be um, a club before us called Thermers, which was like the biggest seller of beer on a Sunday. Hmm. This is before everybody in St. Louis had Sunday liquor licenses. So that was a very popular, very well-known place. And so that corner of Compton and Cherokee was like, oh, we should get this place. And uh, that's that's how we decided. And then you ended up moving into this other location that you had your eye on. Why make that move once you were already established? Well, we were there for six years. (laughs) We, We rent it. And, you know, after six years of not going under, surviving we were looking to buy the building and at that point we started scouting around and that building was still available mm-hmm. and it was it was the first building that we wanted yes. and it was still open it belonged to a family that had owned it for 50 years two brothers owned it after world war ii it was called the ripa family and they operated up until the day one of the brothers died and that was 50 years um one of the guys of the family was our beer driver Wow. And so it was kind of like they screened us before they sold it to us. And we became like the second or the third family to go into that location on Jefferson. Mm. So they had such a long run. Now you've had such a long run. And I know so many people hearing all of this and and hearing how much you've enjoyed this partnership are are surely wondering, okay, why are you closing? Several reasons. Uh, uh, One, I'm uh, 76. And I've been uh, um, taken as, uh, or well, not uh, that I have the disease. Uh, do, you, do you want me to say? Yeah, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. Um, last summer, Bob was like, "I'm, I'm not remembering things. I'm forgetting names. I'm forgetting uh, things. I'm doing. I feel like I'm not." there and we wouldn't had tests and and the doctor said likely alzheimer's definitely dementia Mm. and um they suggested that you know start wrapping up your affairs start doing the things you want to do in life start getting things together um and and prepare for what this disease is going to do for bob so it was during the pandemic shutdown so it gave us a chance to stay at home um enjoy the leisure time, see what it was like not to have the bar. And then when things cleared up this year, we're like, we should open just a little bit, just to have a little of that, rather than just kind of closing and fading, we should we should open. And, you know, hopefully it'll give Bob lots of memories, both of us lots of memories. And yeah, it's, it's done just that. And, and I know your original idea was you would open for like two weeks of shows, and this has been so, such a smash success. I mean, everybody wants to play these shows. Everybody wants to come out. You've had to extend that run. That's yeah. got to feel great. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. We started with 10 days, and the 10 days went by so fast. And it was, I think, the first, it was before we even opened for the 10 days that we're like, oh, no, we got to do a month. The, and it was interesting. It was like opening a bar all over again. We've been closed mm -hmm. 14 months, right? And it's like, oh, our coolers are empty. <laughs> Lights are burned out. Oh, we've got to clean dust and do all this stuff and actually prep like opening a bar. Everything's there. We just got to get together. So we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it for a month. And we, we heard from so many bands and mm -hmm. so many people that had, had played in the club that they'd like to do a final show and they'd like to come in and share that celebration with us. So we had to extend it to a month. We wanted to. So one of those performers, uh, this is Sugar Cyanide, a, a St. Louis oh, yeah. burlesque performer and teacher. Um, she was running the show a couple weeks ago at the Way Out Club when our producer visited. She said that she's produced shows at the club for more than 10 years. I got my start here on the stage the very first time I ever performed as an adult in public ever was on this stage and then um, Babo and Sherry have been so good to me. I taught burlesque classes here on Saturday afternoons. They let me use the space for six dollars <laughs> and I would teach um, people how to perform burlesque right here on the stage and on the floor. Um, back then Angus the cat would come in and attack our yoga mats. Like, So they've done so much which is why I decided to do the show no cover as like a way to give back to the venue. I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited to say goodbye but I'm also really sad um, to see this place go. It's been such a birthing ground for so much art here in St. Louis. That is Sugar Cyanide. Yeah, yeah. And if you've been a fan of the Way Out Club over the years, we want to hear your memories. You can join the conversation by calling us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. And, of course, we're talking today to Sherry Lucas and Bob Putnam, the people who have made the Way Out Club the institution that it is. We need to take a quick break. We'll continue this conversation when we return. And after that, we have a few words from Sinusopro about St. Louis on the Air after hours. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at choosewood.com. Welcome back. We're talking today about the Way Out Club, which closes at month's end after a 27-year run in South St. Louis. My guests today are the club's married owners, Sherry Lucas and Bob Putnam. And our producer, Evie Hemphill, visited the club recently. She says that the feeling of bittersweet nostalgia was pretty palpable. She talked with some patrons, including Nina Stewart. Would you consider yourself a, a frequent patron of the Way Out Club? Um, when I was younger, I used to come here for punk shows, and I remember like Bob Reuter was here often, and um, a lot of my friends' bands played here, and so it was kind of like a fun club that we would all come to, and I think I saw La Tigre here a really long time ago. You'll have to double check with Sherry, but um, yeah, I think I was like, it was one of their all-ages shows, and I was like, I don't know, maybe like 15 or so. Does it still seem the same as it did when you were young? Oh, yeah, exactly. Actually, when we walked in, we were both like, oh, whoa, it's totally the same. And we like that. I would have to say that it's a really eclectic 
um, in style and also in patrons that come here. I think always seeing Bob and Sherry behind the bar will always stick with me and I think that'll be um, sort of a St. Louis staple that we'll really all miss. I just hope that um, their transition into uh, exiting out of the way out business goes smoothly and um, I hope whoever moves into this space maybe could honor it a bit or I don't know. It'll be missed for sure. Tell me your full name one more time. No, I thought it was Jim. <laughs> what is your name? Jim Hawkab Zeus. And um, tell me about your relationship with the Way Out Club. I have been in St. Louis. I lived in Potomac in Michigan and would come in occasionally. And uh, I just love them both. Is it pretty bittersweet to know that this place is 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 not going to be the place it is right now for more than a few weeks? Oh no, 27 years of glory and memories. Lisa Bachman, uh, and I'm married to Bob, and we live in Alton. This was on my COVID bucket list. Like, there's a list of places that after, you know, things opened up, for whatever reason, this was like almost number one. Why do you think it was high on your list? Because it's such a basic St. Louis experience. And those are some patrons at the Way Out Club um, remembering that club as it's in its final days here. Bob, I'm curious for you as you look back on more than two decades of, of running this club, what stands out to you? Hazel Atkins. How so? Hazel Atkins is a, was a West uh, Virginian who lived up in the hills. And Hazel is actually considered the father of punk and of everything else. What was the big band that? Oh, he, he um, made music that was recorded by the Cramps. So the Cramps took a lot of Hazel songs like Goo Goo Monk, Goo Goo Monk, and He Said, She Said, and Boo Boo the Cat. <laughs> He's a very influential musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he only played with a guitar and a uh, a hi-hat. Yeah, uh, right? hi-hat. Yeah. And he'd do it at the same time as he sang. And there's people that have traveled the country, big-time people would come in there to see Hazel and sit there and play with Hazel mm. because he, and I was so glad that Sherry and I became good friends with him. I brought him up twice to uh, St. Louis, and he, he would have come up uh, more before uh, what happened. The boy, uh, as he was coming out the door of his little place, hit him with one of those bikes. Oh. And yeah. they took him to the hospital, and they let him go. And then they looked at the things and said his heart was really damaged by all this. Yeah. And when they went down to get him, he had passed away. Oh, goodness. Hazel, Hazel was a music legend. Um, he was noted for playing all of these instruments at one time. Hazel was very much a country boy. He heard on the radio Hank Williams, and he thought, if Hank Williams can play all those instruments and sing, I can too. So he made himself a rig with a guitar and a little hi-hat, and he played the guitar, the bass lines, he sang, and he was like the one-man band. 
until he discovered that Hank Williams wasn't playing all those instruments and he had a band. <laughs> but that was his style. That's what he grew from. What, and he had a little tin guitar he started with. So he was like the legend behind the bands like the Cramps. And they sought him out. And he was in the backwoods in West Virginia. And he was like one of our first major artists that we brought to St. Louis. We had to yeah. go and get a get a taxi ride through all these hills. Hazel, I don't think, had ever ridden on an airplane when the TSA was screening him with the wand. He put his hat on top of the wand. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this is, you guys brought him out, brought yes. him to the big city. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, he's he's legendary. He was legendary. So it was so great to bring him. Yeah, that's, so That's an amazing story. <laughs> I've actually got a caller here who has a story of his own. Let's go to Kevin, who's calling from Richmond Heights. Uh, Kevin, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, yes. I, I'm very happy to be able to salute Bob and Sherry. Um, my band, uh, Shaky Deal, which is a Neil Young tribute band, played there several times. And one of the early times was when I was dating a uh, girl named Elizabeth. And the first few months of our relationship were magical. And so she saw my band at the Way Out Club for one of the first times. And there are pictures of us together just, you know, beaming and looking as happy as, as we can be. So Kevin, that's a... one of those early happy memories. And the second memory, real quick, is an ambient show we did down there. Um, I love ambient and experimental music. And so Bob gave us the go-ahead to do a show down there. This was probably 2016, if I had to guess the year. Kevin, thank you for that memory. Um, this sounds like a place where people found their people and a place where you also allowed people to experiment. People got married there? <laughs> really? More people, than one? Uh, people, a couple uh, of people. They're like, remember, I got married by this pinball machine. Yeah. I met my wife yeah. there. There's one, one person. It's like he's, he's now old enough that his kid comes with him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what 27 years will do. It'll uh, turn over a generation. And we were liked so much. I, I, that's the only thing I can say, that they wanted to have their funeral in the club. <laughs> that is a tribute. It's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. We, we did that quite a few times. Yeah. So we have just about one minute left today, and there's so much that we didn't get to talk about here. But so many people are remembering what this club meant to them. Is there any hope that somebody could take this over, that this isn't the end? I don't think it is. I think there's been some people talking to me about wanting to continue on with it. Others that would tear it apart and I, I, you don't I, want that not at all not at all i want it to stay like it is i think you know when do. when we started bob you said st louis has a lot of great music talent mm -hmm. and unfortunately we always get pigeonholed as the opening act and bob's like we need a club to recognize st louis talent and where it's just about the St. Louis bands that are playing, that are playing around town, that all have talent, that need a showcase. So we're hoping somebody still believes that and still supports that idea, and that that music club continues on. And that somebody would do that in that same space? Yeah, Is that your yes, hope? Yes, Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. That would be nice. And I know we're also all rooting for you now as you go into this next phase of your life. Um, just real quick here in our final moments, what are you most looking forward to? Well, I'm going to continue to teach Zumba. Hello to my Zumba gold ladies. And um, teach yoga. And Bob and I will stay hopefully pretty active yeah, out I, and about. I, I'll, I'll still keep reading, <laughs> which I love. And uh, 
my autographs. Your autograph collection. Well, Bob Putnam, thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) And Sherry Lucas, thank you. We wish you both the best of luck. The Way Out Club has its last show on July 31st. To share more memories, we want to encourage you to join our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page. Just search for St. Louis on the Air on Facebook, answer a few questions, and you can join this conversation and join our conversation with everything else we're talking about on this show. Sinuso Pro is perhaps best summarized as a, quote, one-woman musical enigma. Indeed, the solo project from St. Louis musician Saria Conaway is both complicated and interesting and hard to get your head around. And that is When Can I See You from Sinusopro's new album, Chill Hype. Sinusopro will be my guest for a special outdoor, in-person, St. Louis on the Air After Hours event one week from today. This is a brand new event that combines good music, good conversation, and drinks. And Sinusopro and Saria Conaway join us now in advance of next Friday's event to give us a little taste of her music and her story. Saria, welcome. Hey, friends. What's up, Sarah? good to see you again. It's good to see you too and I'm so excited about next week. We're going to be playing some songs from Chill Hype. So you've got two vibes going on here. Are some tracks chill and some are hype? Yeah, it's like a combination of both, you know, like um, there's some tracks on the Hype album. It's a double album, friends, in case you haven't figured that part out. Um, There's some tracks on the Hype album that feel a little chill and there's some tracks on the chill side that feel a little hype, but you know, it's just kind of like... um, the overall vibe of each album would be more one side than the other. You know, nothing's really black and white. You know, we kind of live in a plethora of grays. And, and do you think for Friday's event, do you see this as more of a chill event or a hype event? Both. It's going to be hype and it's going to be chill. And it's going to be real chill because we're going to have a good time talking about stuff. (laughs) That's right. I mean, it's not just going to be music. We're also going to be having a longer interview. Today, we're just speaking to you very briefly, but there we're going to get into like the depths of your soul. Are you ready for that? Oh, I'm always ready. That's where I live. That's where you live. (laughs) You're you're an open book. I mean, for the most part, I think um, I like to go deep. It doesn't mean I necessarily go like personal and publicly. Let's put it that way. So we may talk a little more about the music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is electronic music, but you play a ton of instruments. Then how are you layering this all together? So um, Sinuso Pro, we kind of came into popularity by being a live looping artist in a one-person band. So we, everything we would do would be live. Um, nothing would be pre-recorded. Everything that we would play would be right in front of the audience's eyes. And essentially, once you loop something, like, you know, think of a round or a... Um, What's the other word I'm looking for? I guess around works, but around as far as a song is being sung. Like you keep singing that song all, all the way around until it repeats itself again. So live looping is basically the same thing, except for you control when you can start and stop the loop and then you start layering on top of it. So I will be playing some backing tracks during the performance to enhance and enable us to get to the song quicker because layering everything one at a time it just takes too much time. The audience gets bored. I mean, I get bored. And so you're bringing in these tracks that are done, but then you're adding this live element to it. Correct. Correct. And I got to ask, you keep using the pronoun we. Yes. So uh, when Saria Conway, which is me, 
<laughs> created uh, Sonisopro way back forever ago. I was talking to a friend about lyrics and he gave me a piece of advice that really always just kind of stuck to me. And that was, he likes to use the words we and us because it makes everyone kind of feel like they're a part of it as opposed to he, she, they, them. And that kind of stuck with me, especially whenever I started a pre-programming banter <laughs> for me to do between songs. So I started scripting banter and writing banter for myself. And Sinuso Pro, in my head, is more than one person. It's like many different versions of me. So I call Sinuso Pro we, us. And then myself, Saria Conway, I'm she, her. You get where the musical enigma comes from. This is yeah. all very complicated. But both Saria and Sinuso Pro, you'll be there on stage in the Public Media Commons next Friday. Yep. We're looking forward to this. <laughs> we are the same person. <laughs> dun, well, dun, dun. Thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to next Friday. Man, me too. I'm super excited. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.